Pleased to meet you, Mr. Cross. Any friend of Fred's is a friend of mine. Fred's face lit up, but he said in a quarter-deck voice, You hustle back aboard now before you talk yourself to death. The boy scampered back to the Jaguar and dove headfirst over the low door. The last I saw of him was a thin denim behind and a pair of kicking moccasins. He's a bright youngster. I said, How old is he? Watch it. He'll hear you. Fred crossed his lips with an oil-grained forefinger and lowered his voice. He shouldn't hear himself praised too much. It might give him a swell head. It's going to be tough enough on him with all the dough in the family. Jamie's four. He's doing all right for four. Who taught him his manners? He'll get by. I make him toe the mark. Fred started to move away. Well, so long, Mr. Cross. Nice seeing you. Hold it a minute. What's up? There's nothing up he answered woodenly. The boy said you were going on a trip. You're not leaving the county. No, I'm not going anywhere. He was a long time answering. I was almost sure he was lying. You know the rules. You're not allowed to go out of the county without definite permission from our office. I know it. He colored uncomfortably. I'm just taking Jamie for a ride. Is that illegal? You're not supposed to drive except in line of work. I got my orders. That makes it work, doesn't it? He glanced nervously towards the sports car. I ought to be on my way now, Mr. Cross. Your way to where? His face had closed up completely again into a mask of blank hostility. I'm not supposed to tell anybody that. Are you in some kind of trouble? No, sir, I'm not. I haven't been in any trouble since February, and I don't intend to get into any trouble. He said it with conviction. I'll take your word for it, Fred. You're all right as long as you don't leave the county, obey the traffic laws, and stay on the wagon. You know what happens if you break those conditions. From the courthouse tower across the street, a bell began to sound the three-quarter hour. We both looked up at the tower clock. It was quarter to nine. I know what happens, he said. I've got to shove off now, Mr. Cross. What's the hurry? He didn't answer. The vibration of the bell still hung in the air above us like an echoing warning. He squinted up at the great iron-faced clock and shifted his feet impatiently. "'That's a fast car,' I said. "'What will it do?' "'A hundred and twenty, maybe. I never opened her up.' "'Remember to hold it down to fifty-five. I'll remember. Can I go now?' I watched him climb into the driver's seat of the Jaguar. It was a tight fit. Fred was thick in the chest and wide across the shoulders, and his back was stiff from being broken in the war.' As he was maneuvering himself in under the low convertible top, I noticed the gun-shaped bulge in his hip pocket. I wasn't sure it was a gun. I didn't know whether he had the legal right to carry one. Before I decided to stop him, the bronze car leaped away from the curb and disappeared around the corner of the courthouse. The fading sound of its motor was like an ill wind. Ann Devon looked up from her typewriter when I entered the outer office. She was one of my two assistant probation officers— a mouse blonde with a recent degree in psychology and large untapped reserves of girlish fervor. Turned in her chair against the light from the window, she made a very pleasant silhouette. Good morning, Howie. There's something on your mind. Please don't be intuitive so early in the day. I find it wearing. You might as well tell me, she said. You always get those nasty vertical wrinkles between the eyebrows. Maybe it wasn't such a bad idea. What wasn't? Burning witches. Come on now, Howie, tell good grey Dr. Devon. She was twenty-four. 
I sat on the corner of her desk. On the far corner she had set a bowl of multicolored sweet peas that contrasted prettily with the calcimined walls and scuffed office furniture. What was Fred Miner after, or wouldn't he tell you either? He wanted to see Alex. I told him Alex was away, and he seemed rather worried and disappointed. Did he say why? He mumbled something obscure about wanting to go through channels and do the right thing for everybody. I think there's something up his sleeve, I said. I met him on the sidewalk just now, and he acted pretty evasive. I couldn't get him to open up. You won't be mad if I tell you something, Howie. I think he's afraid of you. Of me? Quite a few people are. When you put on that grim, righteous look, I was scared myself for the first six months or so. I don't see why. You have a terrible lot of power over these people. I don't misuse it if I can help it. The conversation was beginning to irritate me.